on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We jump right into local college football by bringing you the latest news out of Norman with guys transferring and guys declaring for the draft. A lot has happened in just a few days. In the National College Football Roundup, we bring you the latest news in college football, including Texas firing Tom Herman, and we recap the CFP semifinals. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with the college hoops matchup between OU and Baylor. And we save the best for last. We've got an interview with Creed Humphrey in Keeping It Local. Creed declared for the NFL draft, so we talk about this season, his career, and what is next for him. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, January 4th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. And Teddy... Just when you think things are going to slow down, like OU's played their bowl game, like we can chill a little bit, maybe a little exhale. <laughs> a lot, a lot has happened in the last couple of days. Uh, we've got an interview with Creed Humphrey in keeping it local on this episode uh, because Creed is declared for the draft. So caught up with him, uh, talked a little bit about the season and then obviously about his plans, what he's got going on the next couple of weeks to get ready for the senior bowl and for the draft. So it, it, it's, it, it's a lot. I, I thought that we would be able to just chill false. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's coming fast and furious. We've got uh, guys declaring across the country. We've got uh, final coaching adjustments being made across the country. Plus we got NFL playoffs. Today was a super busy day to see who was in and who was out. So Football still first and foremost, uh, first and foremost here in the new year, man. Yeah, and I, I think this is a good answer to a, a couple of people have been like, "Hey, what are you guys gonna do? Like, what's there gonna be to talk about when OU season's over?" Um, More football, brother. There's so much football, brother. Wait until you hear our spring practice uh, seven on seven breakdown. Uh, one be, on ones inside it's be drill. Excellent. <laughs> 
It's going to be excellent. Okay, let's get straight to the OU stuff. Let's get to the local stuff. A lot coming out from Norman, right? Uh, first, Adrian Ely has declared for the NFL draft. Uh, maybe a little surprising to some. I, I thought he was leaning that way if he thought he had played well enough this year. This was a guy that you know, I'd had some conversations with. He, he wanted to get to the next level quickly and feels he's played well enough. So while Ely is declaring, Marquise Hayes has come out, said he will be coming back next season for Oklahoma. And then also along that offensive line, we already mentioned, but Creed Humphrey it, it really didn't have much of a choice. He's got to go uh, at this point with, you know, with some of the projections for him. And he's just played so many snaps. It, it, he shouldn't play any more football for free. <laughs> That's the way I look at it, Ted. No, I agree. Um, you know, I thought Adrian Ely, you know, way, way better than I do, but I thought he had a really good year. It was quiet, maybe more quiet than some of our tackles here in the Which past. Which can be a are, good thing. You know, getting a bunch of 15-yard penalties and stuff. No, I agree. I agree. I, You know, I thought he was clean. I thought we're rarely were we calling his name. There was a couple of holding calls that he had, but uh, for the most part, I feel like he had a, a good, solid year. And, you know, one of the things is, I know that as far as mock drafts are concerned, uh, you may not see Adrian Ely up real high, but I mean, I don't know how many guys in the NFL from Oklahoma, from Bill Beanbow are playing right now. There's a ton of them. So there's starting to be a really good uh, pipeline there and people trust the coaching and trust the talent coming out of there and probably think way more highly of Ely than maybe some of the mock draft people out there will. Yeah. Especially he's accepted a senior bowl invite. You know, we've seen it before. We saw it with Lane Johnson, right? When he went to the senior bowl and dominated one-on-ones dominated in practice and all of a sudden was a top five pick. Yeah. And I, then ran, went and ran like a four, eight, 40 or something crazy. That, that certainly, I think it was like four, seven, something that was ridiculous. But if Adrian Ely can go to mobile, play really well that week. I mean, he can, he can shoot up draft boards. He really can. So that that's the one thing still about the big 12. There's not a ton of elite talent at the edge position. There's just not right. So for a guy like Adrian Ely, the senior bowl becomes so important because it's going to be the best edge players he's played against all season. Yeah. No, and th- those those one on ones and those matchups are a lot of fun to to watch and to to discuss. And that there's more money made in one on ones at the Senior Bowl than anything else. Forget the combine, forget everything else. That's where that's where the big money's made for the offensive line. Yeah, and uh, another guy that declared for the NFL draft, which it surprised me, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it, Ted Trey Norwood. This is a guy that, you know, he's dealt with injuries. I understand that, you know, came back, had a really good year, especially towards the end of the year, back half of this season, lots of plays, right? Interceptions, the whole thing. Were you surprised to see this? I was, um, you know, I haven't ever really talked to him in depth or, or really even considered that he might go and, I hate it for OU because I think he's their best player in the secondary. And I've been saying that for a long time. Now, 
everyone knows the injury from last year that that he was fighting through, but he got hit with back-to-back contact tracings through training camp, essentially missed the entire training camp, got hit with it again during the season, and as soon as he comes back, he's filling in at safety, he's filling in at corner, he's filling in at nickel. He never got a chance to find a home where he was the true starter at a position and he just kept making play after play after play. Uh, he's great cover guy. He's physical. He tackles well. He's really good in space, really athletic in space. I think Trey Norwood has the potential to have a hell of an NFL career. I do. I don't know how high he's going to get drafted, but I think he's the exact player the NFL is looking for in the secondary. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. Uh, that obviously caught a lot of people off guard, but you know, just hearing you talk about him, it, it'll be interesting to see how it works out for him. Clearly wishing him the best. Okay, another piece of news. A lot was made of Jaden Hazelwood not being with the team for the Cotton Bowl, but Lincoln Riley seriously downplayed that entire thing this week and, and makes it sound like all is well with Jaden Hazelwood as far as being a member of, of the University of Oklahoma's football team. That that's how I understood that. Ted is 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 that kind of how you understood it too? That's uh, I mean Lincoln Riley made it sound like it wasn't a big deal at all. Yeah, I mean I hope it's not a big deal. I Me think too. Oklahoma is better with Hazelwood on our roster. Um you know, quite frankly, if you look at it as a whole, the shocking to say, but wide receiver may have been one of the weaker position groups on the entire team this year. Right. How, how many touchdowns did Spencer Rattler have dropped? Some of his best throws this year were touchdowns that were dropped. And I think someone had a stat. I don't remember who it was that he has more uh, drop touchdowns than any other quarterback. And that, that's in got football. PFF written all over it. That's something yeah. that they would track. So, you know, I, I think that, him with a full spring, full summer run at it to, to put that knee injury fully behind him. I think he's got a chance to be a really good football player. So I, I hope that he's here and, and is going to be a sooner long-term, but I don't know. I'll take Lincoln Riley's word for it. Yeah. He's probably just frustrated more than anything, right? You, you have that knee injury. You, you don't get back. He, I don't think you ever got to a hundred percent. It's just, it's really difficult to come back from a major knee injury like that that quickly. And well, he was on the field faster than I've ever seen anyone really. I know there's a couple of so, cases out there, but it clearly probably wasn't getting the ball as much as you want to. And that frustration, you combine it with the injury, combine it with everything that these players were going through all year. I, I could understand how that frustration builds up, but it, it sounds like. That's all going to work itself out. Another piece of news, and this one is a good one, and this one is exciting if you're an Oklahoma fan. Perion Winfrey appears to be coming back. Now, he put it out on Twitter, and there wasn't some like big statement. It just said, like, year four downloading or uploading. I, I don't know what term he used, but it was a hashtag, the whole thing. But it, it seemed to be a message saying, hey, I'm coming back next season, which is massive. For that defense, massive. Nothing worse than a big announcement on Twitter that kind of leaves everyone saying, uh, I think, think he's, he's saying coming he's back. coming back, I think. Oh, my gosh. I mean, 
I, I think the uh, the defensive line, if Perrion Winfrey comes back, gets a massive boost. I think he's great in the interior. I thought several times this year we saw just how disruptive he could be. We could he could be more consistent. And I think another year in the system, I mean, just look at the difference. A couple of, of different guys out there. I mean, really all of them made from year one versus year two, Isaiah Thomas, um, uh, Eaton, um, or, uh, Ellison, um, uh, Roberson, all these guys made big jumps and, you know, I think Perrion Wimper could do the exact same thing next year in year two, get used to the stemming, shifting, stunts, all that stuff. So uh, if he's coming back, that's going to be great for this defense. We just need number seven on the edge, baby. Come on. Yeah, I think we're all, you know, we're we're all just sitting here waiting for, for Ronnie Perkins to decide what he's going to do, right? And I, I do know for a fact that he's got some people telling him that going back for another season and putting a full season together. And I'm talking about, you know, NFL evaluators that scout the team that are consistently around the program. I know that some of them have told the coaches that they think it's in Perkins best interest to put more stuff on tape. That being said, he made it through this year healthy He's got a ton of potential. We've talked about him being kind of a tweener when it comes to his position in the NFL. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, I think everyone is anxiously awaiting his decision. And then we we've got a couple guys that have hit the portal for the Sooners. Ted, are you okay? I, I just want to check on you because now I John Michael Terry hitting the portal. That's unfortunate. You lose some depth. You lose experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you've got Robert Barnes hitting the portal. Same thing. Lose some depth. The guy that could play a couple different positions for you, special teams guy. Right. But then I saw it and I thought about texting you immediately and checking on your well being because Chandler Morris, your favorite, maybe your favorite backup quarterback of all time, Ted. Chandler Morris has hit the portal and he has announced. He's going to TCU. So not only did he hit the portal, he's going to play against OU every year. Teddy, are you okay? I'm okay. And really, this could have been my winners and losers segment, just all combined in one. TCU, big winners, getting probably the best quarterback in college football as a transfer (laughs) Uh, loser, um, clearly. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could say winner, um, Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, because in my opinion, he was a clear front runner for the, the quarterback job next year, right? Come on. <laughs> no, I, I, I think he is, he's one of those guys that whenever we recruited him and he signed, I was like, okay, whatever. But first time I saw him play, I was like, wow, this, this guy's got something. Now, um, Everyone looks good behind Oklahoma's offensive line, handing off to Oklahoma's running backs and throwing to Oklahoma's wide receivers, right? I mean, that makes it with Lincoln Riley calling the plays. That makes it all go way smoother, way better. Let's see what happens. You get down there at TCU. Now they got a good quarterback who played really good down the stretch uh, at the end of the year. 
could be a little bit of a battle there. You know, I don't know. I think I definitely think Chandler Morris has the tools to play Division One quarterback. Start for sure. Yeah, so do I. He was fun. I know we only saw him in a handful of snaps, but damn, he was fun to watch when he got no, on the I field. I agree. Fun. I, I, I wish him the best, but I kind of don't since he transferred in the conference. Is that, is that mean? I feel like, you know, we wish you the best, but not when you're playing OU. That's probably the best way to look at it. Yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you down in Arlington in the Big Twelve Championship. How about you that? love that kid. I do I love him. All right, let's move on to call your shot. And that's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked y'all for your boldest takeaway from this weekend in college football. And this one comes from Jacob Brewington at Jacob Oklahoma on Twitter. He says, despite being edged out in recruiting, Oklahoma football continues the trend upward and is in no danger of declining so everyone can relax. National title aspirations still intact. Hashtag this is Oklahoma. Hashtag true blue blood. Nice hashtags, Jacob. Well done. Teddy, so I I assume this is in reference to them missing on the Tristan Lee kid, right? The five-star offensive lineman. Everyone thought he was going to OU. And he's not. Right. Well, there's a couple of things here. I think Oklahoma only signed 15 or 16 guys in their recruiting class. Yep. And what's interesting about that is it leaves them with plenty of scholies for guys that may be hitting the transfer portal. And this year – Anyone, the new transfer rules are going to take place and, you know, it's, it's a free for all out there. Now you do have to re-recruit your own players, but you know, there's going to be some guys out there looking to, to get out of town and, and maybe go to Oklahoma, join that offense or defense. I don't know. So I do think there's an opportunity to bolster the roster that way, but yeah, I, you know, losing a running back would it have been nice to get a five-star running back. Of course, another offensive lineman. Of course, well, they but, missed on, and I, I don't. Most of my stuff that I get from recruiting comes from our buddies over at Sooner Scoop, right? They do a great job. You and I, we we've talked about. It. We don't really dive into it the way that some people do, but they missed on the what the Abuga kid that went to Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, they missed on Bryce Foster, who's going to A and M. They missed on Wheaton who's going to Bama and they missed on Lee 
who now is going to Clemson. So that's a lot of people see it as 0 for 4 for those five-star guys that a lot of people thought OU had a very good chance of getting. So it's not ideal, but I I think what you're saying about the portal is going to be so true. Like, how many players that are productive at other programs are going to look at and go, you know what? Maybe I can go to Oklahoma and win a Big 12 championship and possibly play for a national championship. Like, that is something that Lincoln Riley and that staff, they've got to be, you know, I don't know exactly how they're approaching that because you you don't want to recruit other people's players, but I don't know how you find out if, if a guy's interested or how that's all going to work here in the future, <laughs> but I'm sure they're doing their due diligence. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah, I mean – I get it when you lose out on some some five stars to to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I get it. But we still landed some five stars. And it wasn't very long ago that we weren't in on very many five stars at all. So, I mean, you look at this class and what did we end up with two? We got Caleb Williams. Um, did we get another five star? Or am I, am I crazy? Maybe I, we the just Mario, with, remember the Mario Williams kid was a five-star at some point, the right. receiver. So you got one, one and three quarters, whatever you want to call it. But there was a legitimate shot that we were going to get four or five five-star players. Now, that would have been nice. When's the last time Oklahoma had four or five, uh, four or five five-star players? Probably never other than the, the year when we got all those wide receivers a couple of years ago. It's just that's that's really out of our reach and something that we really haven't ever done on any type of consistent basis. So do we need to? Sure, we need to get that many type of players every year, and yeah. that always helps. But I really like our recruiting class that we had this year. Don't know anything about it till you see these guys on the field. But here's the thing about the transfer portal. Gabe, would you rather recruit a guy off a high school film or off of college film? I would like to recruit other Power 5 players that can help my team that I know can produce at the college level. I mean, immediately. Yeah. Understand, man, there's a lot to college football. You know, there's the the verbiage. All I mean, what you play in high school is not football. It's, it's, it's a different sport than whenever you get to college in the pros. It's just totally different. Um, the details involved on every single thing that happens, every aspect of the game is totally different. So some guys get to college and it's just like overwhelming. Class is overwhelming. The strength and condition, everything is just like, you know, a flood and guys get swamped and just, you know, fall down in the program and never turn into anything. Other guys obviously can come and transition right in, but whenever you're getting a guy out of the transfer portal, all of that hard work is already done. Trying to get a kid, an 18-year-old kid that's leaving his parents or his home for the first time in his life acclimated to, to college football, that hard work is done. You're getting a guy that you can go and see what he's done on the field against other light competitors. I'll take that any day of the week over – a guessing game over a high school kid. Yeah, but I, I do think some of the concerns, right, are valid because yeah. Clemson and Ohio State and Bama 
are continuing to just rack up five-star guys. And if you want to close that gap, right, we talk about next year maybe being the year where OU can go win a college football playoff game, that that gap, it's got to start shrinking because those kids are five stars for a reason. They are. It's because they're really physically talented. So uh, you got to start chipping away at that. And maybe the new transfer rules, maybe that's the way you do it. Maybe OU becomes a place where, you know, kids that maybe are really, really good but aren't on a great team, uh, maybe that they become a hot transfer location. I, I don't know, but they got to close that gap somehow, Ted. They got to well, they, they close it. I got news for you. Um, you know, getting there and winning a title, sometimes you got to do it off of uh, transfer players. Josh Heupel, Torrance Marshall. Uh, both transfer players, all right? Uh, Heupel, obviously right there, close to win a Heisman Trophy. Torrance Marshall, Orange Bowl MVP. Those are two transfer guys. Now, that's the junior college route, but the point is the same, is that if you can get some guys with some college football experience in that can get you to where you win a playoff game, win a national championship, then that gives you the recruiting uh, cachet to go out there and get some of those players that you've been losing to the Ohio States and Alabamas. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back total or take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And Insurica has informed me that a couple of the listeners have uh, been reaching out to Insurica to get some yes. help with their businesses. No big deal. The ad, reads, the ad reads work. It's science. It's science. Okay. Whole lot of college football. News. I mean, a whole lot. So I, I picked the ones I thought that were the most important. And this one is obviously very important to us. Texas fired Tom Herman. <laughs> I, I mean, the, it, even though it, they had come out and said, Crystal Conte had come out and said, hey, he's our coach. He'd even said he's our coach for next season. Well, just kidding, I guess, because they fired Tom Herman and they immediately hired Steve Sarkeesian. Teddy, I, I'm not shocked, but are, are you surprised by the timing and how this whole thing went down? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know what the who was able to talk and who wasn't able to talk. Like I don't know what Sarkeesian's um, agent was saying. Like if they approached during the time that apparently they were talking to Urban Meyer and, and all of that stuff. I, I don't know if they said, hey, listen, let us get through the, the regular season and then we'll start to think about stuff like that. I just don't know how that went down. But 
uh, never be shocked when a coach is fired after getting the dreaded approval for next season by the athletic director. That's the kiss of death. That's and and remember when Del Conte's initial statement ca- came out, we all were like, "Well, that Wait, was about was as that? vague as it can be." Like it was, it was so odd. But so you look at Sarkeesian and. Clearly, when you look what he did as a head coach, right? I think 46 and 35 as a head coach. He just won the Broyles Award. Obviously, the offense he is coordinating for Alabama has been unbelievably good. I mean, it, it, it has been a joy to watch in his creativity. Like, it's not just because they've got Devontae Smith and Najee Harris and all these guys, like, their system's really damn good to shifts, motions, different personnel groupings, implementing different concepts week after week, building on concepts. Like it's been really fun to watch. Now those guys have made it look, look really easy, but also I'm a fan of what he's done from a scheme perspective, but I guess they're banking on him having learned a ton from Nick Saban, right? Because when you look at what he did as a head coach, and I know that he had his, he had large off the field issues with the alcoholism, but that all seems to be under control and wasn't, you know, really factored into this decision. But is that what it is? They're they're just hoping that since they couldn't bring Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, that Sarkeesian has learned enough from Saban. Like it, it that's kind of how it seems to me. Yeah, I mean. I agree that Sarkeesian's offense at Alabama right now is something to behold. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, I was watching a lot of Alabama whenever I was watching tape on Florida. And it's just it's, – it's poetry in motion. But they have the best offensive line in the country, the best left tackle I may have ever seen in, in college football. At least Leatherwood in, in, is so Leatherwood. good. In recent memory anyways. They got the best running back I maybe have ever seen in college football. Then uh, they've got like three of the best wide receivers I've ever seen. So, I mean, that does matter. Now, if you're banking on he's going to be able to get those type of players here, eh, I don't know. Um, I, I just think it's a dangerous road to go down to expect Steve Sarkeesian to produce the same results that he has at Alabama. Um, Maybe he turns that thing around, but I'll tell you what, man. One of the best things to do after you've gone through a career embarrassment, professional embarrassment, and, you know, a lot of it is because of some nightlife stuff and, and, and everything, you go work for Nick Saban where you can't, get your head above water ever and the um what's expected of you day in day out how hard he is on all his coaches and players that's the perfect place to go to get focused on your on your job on what you do your profession and 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 kind of let everything else go away but you get a head job making five six million dollars a year austin texas you're the man there. I am a little bit worried about if you're going to get the same Sarkeesian that you got at Alabama. Hopefully, for his sake, you do. 
Um, I don't know. I'm kind of ho-hum on the hire. I think he's an okay head coach. It feels but, like they hired Tom Herman. That's how it feels. Right. right? That was that was Urban Meyer's understudy and was supposed yeah. to be the next guy uh, just like Urban. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll give him a chance, right? We'll we'll see. Uh, I I'm interested to see how he handles the bureaucracy that appears to be down in that program. And supposedly he's a hobnobber and that's what Texas wants. Now, I don't know if that equals anything on the football field. I think that's more of the problem down there than the answer, but I don't know. You're right. That's the, that's the real question. There's a bunch of good football coaches, but can they handle all the outside noise? Or it'll be interesting to see if, I don't know how they would handle it differently. I, I, I think a lot of people recognize Chris Del Conte being one of them that the way that they've done things hasn't, I mean, it hasn't gone particularly well. So I don't know how they can, you know, shift the dynamics there and maybe make it a little easier on Sarkeesian. I, I don't know how they'll do it. No but way. Yeah, you're right. No way. That was a stupid <laughs> thought. I'm an idiot. I don't know what no I'm talking way. about. But I, I'm interested though. Like, what do you think? What kind of staff do you think he could put together? You think anyone from Alabama follows him? Well, Saban, it's well documented. Saban doesn't like for his guys that are like he he obviously likes his coordinators getting head coaching jobs. Like he's he's a fan of that, but he does not want those guys taking his guys. Right. So I don't know, but you know, Sarkeesian's a guy that, you know, he was at USC, right? He's been in the NFL, been at Bama. I'm sure he's got all kinds of connections and Let's be real. Texas will pay. They'll pay. I mean, hell, they're going to end up paying what twenty something million in buyouts for doing what they just did. So, I mean, they're they're going to have the money. So, I would assume it's going to be a really good staff. Yeah, you're right. Nick Saban's like, I'll let you drive my race car, but don't you think about taking the mechanics with you when you leave? Don't I mean touch them. <laughs> that's. It's all about the staff. I mean, you know that it's. Yeah, a head coach means a lot, but if you can't put together a really good staff, then you know you're 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 kind of doomed. You got to have really good recruiters. You got to have guys that can develop uh, strength and conditioning, all that stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, and I, I I could be wrong, but I don't think Sarkeesian has ever had a double digit winning season as a head coach. Well, it. And I don't so. have his timeline here, but it was really quick from Washington to Southern Cal yeah. and then gone. Well, it seemed like that, it was really fast. I mean, that had to, and you got to remember what he was going through personally when he was mm-hmm. doing that. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I love his offense. I can tell you that. I love watching Bama's offense. So we'll see. We'll see what he can do recruiting. We'll see what kind of staff he puts together. But, and that was uh yeah that was that was one of those things where you saw it go and you're like really right now okay well the first thing i thought of is way back whenever he took the usc job uh, do you know sean cody from southern cal played in detroit played for the houston texans for a while uh nose guard i do not have the pleasure of knowing he him. Is, he was out there back at usc doing some stuff around the program a little bit whenever sarkeesian took the job and it, not very long into it, I I was just like texting, asking him what he thought of Sarkeesian. He's like, he's a clown, dude. So, <laughs> I mean, that was like right away. So hopefully he's 
got it together, but I have a feeling that, you know, once he's back out on his own and I, I just think that the, everything like the Saban, all of the rules and everything that you've got to follow, how strict it is, was a perfect arrangement for him. And I don't know. The Nick Saban rehabilitation center for coaches. (laughs) He's got like. And I want to make that clear. That is there. not that. That is not an alcoholism joke. That is that's literally like he just. How many guys has he? He's just revamped their careers and they become head coach. It's unbelievable what he is able to accomplish. I mean, it it's should unbelievable. Be, he should be getting a chunk of everyone's next big head coaching gig. There's just, no a, li- just a little piece better I mean, than an agent, man. What he's done in Alabama is just ridiculous. Okay, now one other big piece of news uh, for Texas football. Sam Ellinger said he's headed to the NFL draft. I, I don't think it has anything to do with how well we saw Casey Thompson play in the bowl game against Colorado, although Casey Thompson looked awesome in that game. That guy, he, he's just played so many snaps for them and just felt like he's put a long video out on Twitter, but – He'll always be one of the more polarizing players, I think, that that program's had because he accomplished so much without really accomplishing anything. I know that sounds weird, but I think that's <laughs> right. how some people view it. And well, he single-handedly won like every game they've had over the last like three or four years. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of would have been interested to see him in Sarkeesian's system, but, you know, hey, good for you, Ellinger. Uh you, it, it seemed like you were at Texas for 10 years already, but well, I, it's going to be really weird to see what happens. I, I, maybe not weird, but just interesting to see what happens in the NFL for him. Like, is he going to be one of these guys where all of a sudden we look up here in 15 years and he's been a backup quarterback for 12 seasons and he's made like $40 million and you're just like, <laughs> good for that guy. Well, I, just like Colt McCoy has done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, that's the best job in the world is the, the backup quarterback. I don't know. I think he's think he's a good kid. I He's one of the rare quarterbacks, and maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I've got the tone of the room totally wrong, but he seems like one of the rare quarterbacks that Oklahoma fans, they don't like, but at least respect a little bit, right? Am I wrong on that? I, I think that's right. I think they respect the way he plays. Right, yeah. I I think that a lot of OU fans probably don't think he's very good when it comes to actually playing quarterback. This is what I say. I think OU fans respect the football player he is, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. After he was knocked out cold his freshman year at the Cotton Bowl and came back in the game. (laughs) Ever since then. Ever since then. (laughs) Okay. Um, Another quarterback. Big news. Zach Wilson. Uh, from BYU, he's had a fantastic season, declared for the NFL draft. Definitely not a surprise with some of the projections that are coming out now. Some people think he's maybe the number two, at worst, number three quarterback in this class. So, yeah, I, I don't think this was much of a difficult decision for Zach Wilson, Ted. No, I couldn't draft him. I, I He's a great player. The results, the the production, the stats speak for themselves. But he looks like a seventh grader playing quarterback. Am I the <laughs> only one that feels that way? 
He's got a young face, even though he's uh, what? Probably like 37 years old. It's, I, it's just so weird. I mean, I can't picture him as the face of a franchise. I just can't. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe it translates perfectly to the NFL. I just, I'm really hesitant on, on Wilson. I like him. Great college football player, but I'm pretty hesitant on the NFL. I mean, at least for like a, a top 10 or 15 pick. We'll see. What I, about you? No, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they haven't played a ton of quality competition, right? I have been, I've been really impressed by him at times. One thing I really like about him, the mobility, right? I, I think that mobility is like, for, for instance, I like him better than I like Trask because he, he can move, right? You, you see the league now with all the creatures coming off the edge, all the defense linemen, like old linemen can only hold up for so long in the national football league because of the absolute freak shows they're having to block. And it, it, it seems like mobility at the quarterback position is going to continue to get more and more important. And that's something, uh, something that Wilson's got. So it'll be interesting that this is, this has turned into a pretty impressive quarterback class as it's coming together. Now we'll, we'll judge it way down the line, obviously, but one, one other interesting uh, guy that entered the portal, uh, LSU has a stud freshman tied in Eric Gilbert. That's Eric with an A. How about that? He's entering the transfer portal. And this was a guy that I think he was like a, you know, five-star. He was a five-star guy last year, like the number one tight end in the country. So a lot of people are going to be after Mr. Gilbert's services. And I wonder, uh, he'd probably look pretty good in crimson and cream. Just saying, right? Just Why saying. not? We could use a tight end for sure. I feel like, that's how you would spell Eric on Game of Thrones. Eric. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna you know what? I'm just gonna slap an A on the front. It'll be it'll it'll be cool. No, I mean I I was happy to see Stogner back out there, although it was uh, a, a semi um limited showing for him, but it was happy to see him back out there. He's gonna be he may be the best tight end of college football next year or one of them. Um, he's got that chance to be that productive as far as pass catchers. So uh, it'd be nice to have a, the way we use our tight ends and H backs, throw them all, give us, give us all of them. We need 10 of them. Be awesome. Come on, Eric Gilbert. Come on. Why not? Okay, Ted, let's recap those college football playoff semifinals. The, these games seemed like they happened forever ago now with everything <laughs> that's happened in college football, but we haven't talked about them yet, which is kind of crazy. But Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, Crimson Tide win 31-14 in one of the most thorough 17-point ass kickings you will ever see in the sport. It was 14 to nothing, and the game was over. It, it, it never felt like Notre Dame even had a chance. And I know they – they had that great, right, 15-play, eight-minute touchdown drive to make it 14-7, to seven, but it had to be so demoralizing for that team because they did that, and then Alabama's offense goes right down the field in five or six plays and makes it 21-7. Devontae Smith, 
was fantastic. Again, he should win the Heisman Trophy. Najee Harris had one of the most athletic plays I, I think we've ever seen in a college football I, game. I still think he's got two players on his team that are up for the Heisman. I still think it's a snub that he's not a finalist. That hurdle, I mean, it was absurd. I mean, the, the guy didn't even like, he wasn't even trying to like saw him off at the legs. Like he just jumped over a human being running full speed, like didn't break his stride. It just jumped over it's, a guy in slow motion. It's so awesome. Cause he goes up and then he goes up and then he's high enough to clear the guy. And then he goes up a little bit more. And right. Whenever you think he stopped, he goes up again. It's and just then, like, crazy with dude. his offhand, just shoves the guy between his legs, like in the <laughs> back. I was like, nuts. Oh my God, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But nuts. we probably don't give Mac Jones enough credit. And I understand he's got all those weapons around him, but, He's playing some good football, man. Uh, he he had some some iffy throws in that game, but other than that, like, I mean, he he's playing well. I'll I'll give Notre Dame credit though. Hey, they can't, yeah they they deserve to play in that game. I don't know who else should have been in there, right? But they showed up, they played their game, and it just wasn't even close to enough. I, I know a lot of people are like, hey, can't beat Alabama playing that way. Well. What do you want them to do? Try to do what Alabama does? Like, are are you insane? Like, it, it, they gave it their best shot, and it just – it wasn't even close. But as always, Ted, good teams win, great teams cover. What do you mean they shouldn't have played Alabama the way they did? They turned out perfect. Are you kidding me? If you're not going to win, you got to cover. I, You know, um, I mean, here's the thing. Would Oklahoma have given Alabama a better game? Yes. It's hard I, to I, say. Okay, Notre Dame's defense, like they did hold them to 31, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, Alabama changed what they were doing offensively second half, trying to, you know, take the air out of the ball or whatever term you want to use, but they did hold them to 31. Like that happened, so that's really impressive. I didn't think that there was a defense – that could hold them under 40. Mm-hmm. So I I know OU would have scored more, right? But how how many stops would they have gotten? I don't know if they get as many stops as Notre Dame got in that game. I I, I don't know. I don't think yeah. anyone it, – it, I, I that think team's you ridiculous. Can, you don't think you can forecast it. Like, who knows with the right play calling what the score of that football game could have been. Um, but it's smart. Try and get out of there. Try and stay healthy. Just win the game and advance. Uh, style points are over. So uh, Alabama's a machine, man. They really are. Yeah. I, I know that's a conversation a lot of people want to have. Well, A&M or OU, and it's like, yeah, but unfortunately Notre Dame deserved to be there, and they got destroyed, just like we all thought they would. But they did cover. Well done, Fighting Irish. Now, <laughs> the other game – Whoa. I mean, whoa. Uh, Ohio State 49, Clemson 28, and it looked like it was going to be the semifinal that we feel we all deserve, right? 14-14 at the end of the first quarter, and we all were excited because it looked like we were about to get a classic. And then, and then, 
Gosh, is that a dude? Where's my car reference? Wow. It is. Bad. It is. And then Ohio state just absolutely destroys Clemson in the second quarter. Uh, they rattle off 21 points. Clemson doesn't score and it was over. And Ohio state was gashing them with Trey Sermon. And that really opened up things, especially in the passing game. Some big plays to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, I thought Justin Fields displayed some serious toughness playing after he took that hit in the back, in the, I don't even know, like in the spine from Skalski. Like, I hated that targeting call, by the way, but I, I did think that it was really impressive that Fields was able to battle through that. It was probably ribs. I don't know what it was, but it, it looked painful. But, man, Dabo voted him number 11. Gave those kids from Ohio State some serious motivation. And the Buckeyes played like they were on a mission. I I really thought the game was decided at the line of scrimmage. I thought Ohio State pushed Clemson around. I I was really impressed with how they dominated on the offensive and defensive line. And I went back and watched the game again. And Clemson's offensive line, they they just got pushed around and – Ohio State didn't even have all their dudes, right? The Harrison kid didn't even play. So it it it's one it, this is a game that is a great reminder that you have to be able to run the football to win big games. And Clemson yeah. just couldn't, Ted. They couldn't do it. No, I I agree. I it looked to me and this is strange, but it looked to me like Clemson just didn't have the personnel that Ohio State did. And that seems shocking, but, you know, last year was the first top five recruiting class that Clemson's ever had. And they obviously backed that up with this, the class this year. It's just, we feel like Clemson has been, because of the success recently, we feel like personnel wise that they're on the level of Alabama, Ohio State, they're really not. Now, they've had some really good players through there, but I think this year, talent for Clemson seems to be down quite a bit as far as just the the real top-tier type of players. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is, is fantastic, but, I mean, this game, I thought that Clemson would win, but I thought Ohio State was going to be, you know, a really, really tough out. Now, I didn't think that they should be in the college football playoff, and I still don't think they should have been in the college football playoff, but this is really the first time we've seen them at full strength with full preparation. And they weren't even completely at full strength, full strength, full, full preparation, have a bunch of guys practicing all their coaching staff and ready to go because those there's only been, I think once this season that that's happened for them, they've always had a big group of guys out. So they, they look like a, they look like a, a well-oiled machine out there. And naturally, just like we saw in the Oklahoma-Florida game, no matter what it is, whatever little thing you can grab a hold of as a, as a coach, as a staff, as a player, for extra motivation, you do it. And Dabo Sweeney put it on the tee and let them hit it out of the park with the uh, putting them at, at number 11, which I agree with number 11, but <laughs> no one cares what I think, right? Yeah, and 
let's be real. It it was a very, very tough weekend for the people that say, oh, stars don't matter. Boy, do you see what Alabama did to Notre Dame? Do you see what Ohio State did to Clemson? Because you're not wrong, Ted. They don't match up from a personnel standpoint. Ohio State's been recruiting at an unbelievable level the last couple of years. I mean, unbelievable. And I've got news showed- for you. It's not getting any better. Alabama just signed the number one class in college football with seven five-star recruits. And Ohio State signed the number two class with five five-star recruits. Hmm. So. And people thought that they had Bama Clemson fatigue. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, I will say this. There is about that game. Uh, I was really happy for Trey Sermon. I, Ooh, I feel like yeah. this this guy Ooh. has made himself a lot of money over the last couple of weeks. He has been arguably their best player, right? <laughs> Without and a doubt. He he just looks he looks so damn good. And there is some alternate universe where Sermon doesn't leave OU and <laughs> OU was playing in that game instead, right? And that that was kind of the frustrating part of watching him just rip through Clemson. Now, I, there's no doubt. And I saw, you know, a lot of people were frustrated when he ripped off that 300-plus yard game. And it's like, well, if you would have been at Oklahoma, we wouldn't have lost those two early games. And maybe that's true, but uh, I'm happy for him. You know, I don't know where he was before the season, but I just happened to see Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, his uh, his big board, and he's got Trey Sermon at, at number six right now. And it wouldn't shock me with a big performance against Alabama that he's even higher than that in a bunch of people's opinion. And maybe the, you know, uh, definitely a top five running back because he's got the size, he's got the physicality. Like in the NFL, you want a guy that can take the pounding and Trey Sermon has that that body frame. Yeah. Good for you, Trey Sermon. He was always fun to talk to after the game. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad to see him succeed. And I know it's frustrating for some OU fans, probably frustrating for some of those OU players too, watching him run yeah. wild like that. But hey, good good for him. Okay, Ted, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you if you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Ted, who is your winner of the weekend? I got to go with Aaron Rodgers. Got to go with Aaron Rodgers. Um, the dude has been in the NFL for so long now, and I think he just capped off his best regular season ever. 44 touchdowns to five interceptions at the NFL level. It's ridiculous. Uh, number it's absurd. One, Number one QBR by a mile in the NFL. Number one quarterback rating in the NFL by a mile. Completed over 70% of his passes. 
just an absurd season from Aaron Rodgers. Whenever I was starting to wonder if Aaron Rodgers was ever going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Now, I know they haven't. They just completed the regular season. They got to go through the playoffs, but he's got a great running game. He's got a great group of wide receivers to throw to and a defense that's playing some decent football. This is Aaron Rodgers' best chance at a Super Bowl in a long time. He looks there for like three or four years. He looked miserable playing football. Miserable. This year, it's like the old Aaron Rodgers. He looks happy. Looks like he's having fun out there again. Looks like he's enjoying his teammates. I think Aaron Rodgers is the winner for sure. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what it looks like in the playoffs for them with Bakhtiari going down. With that, uh, how about how about your star left tackle? I didn't see that. He he tore his ACL in practice, Teddy, like a couple days ago. Not even in the game. He tore his ACL in practice. He's not even a month into his new extension. Well, he signed it at the right time. (laughs) That's right. That's the NFL for you. That's horrible. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Who you got as your loser of the weekend? It's got to be Trevor Lawrence, doesn't it? Got to be Trevor Lawrence. Uh, No title. No Heisman Trophy. He came back, uh, you know, was on a mission this year. And, you know, I, I can't say that he's got nothing to show for it because that's never the case. Whenever you play a year of college football, um, it's always really enjoyable. But, I mean, it's got to be really, really disappointing for him. And to kind of go out the way they did, getting thumped in their last two uh, college football playoff games. I know they beat Ohio State last year, but got thumped by LSU in the championship. And then this year just, you know, were the favorite going in and just got hammered. So I I think he's going to the NFL now. I haven't seen anything, but does that give you any reason to come back? I mean, I know he's going to be the number one overall pick, and I don't think anything has changed there. But you want to talk about some unfinished business. The man's got a, a folder full of it. Yeah, and the crazy thing about it is they got absolutely destroyed by Ohio State. He threw for 400 yards in that game. It's just like so many of them were meaningless because it was over in the second quarter. You were just like, oh. I looked at his stat line after the game, and it was like 33 of 48 for 400 yards, and I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I watched the whole game. He did not do that. That's funny. Yeah, Yeah, man, I don't don't know what's going to happen with him. I mean – I would say there's a 99% chance he goes to the NFL. Um, but I got to tell you, going to Jacksonville maybe not be, may not be the most appealing thing in the world, but I don't know. I He deserves – now, he's not going to get it, I don't think, and maybe you feel differently, but with the, the run that he's had as quarterback at Clemson, it's going to be shocking when we look back five, ten years ago and say, wait, he didn't ever win the Heisman Trophy? I, yeah, I I understand. I understand what you're saying, but I, the more I watch Devontae Smith, the more I'm like, that guy is the best player in college football. Now, I'm the one that I, I have I have said that I would have voted for Trevor Lawrence, and I, I still probably, if you were to give me vote right now, no, I'd probably give it to Devontae Smith because, <laughs> I mean, 
the the way that that guy steps up in big games, whoo boy, whew. So I yeah. I don't know, but Trevor Lawrence, he's one of the best college quarterbacks ever, and it, he's got no choice. He's got to go. It, if he waits for next year, he's going to go to another bad team. Uh, who knows who that team's going to be? I mean, it's there's too much risk. Too much risk. All right. My winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, Ted, I thought about going with Iowa State because it was really good to see them go smack Oregon like that in the Fiesta Bowl. Did it run in the football? Uh, I loved watching that. But I also thought about going with the NFL guys that, you know, uh, one of my favorite things is the last week in the NFL, right? You're getting week 17 guys and they're hitting incentives in their contracts. Did you see Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders? Oh, it was, yeah. I mean, and he needed a big day too. What do you have to have eight? Yeah. And he got him eight catches Nuts. and it earned him $500,000. What Antonio Brown, uh, Antonio Brown got 250 K because Tom Brady just kept like throwing short passes to him in the last couple of minutes of the game, did it like three times. It was awesome. So that that's really fun. But winner of the weekend's got to be the Cleveland Browns, man. And I know that they said they're not satisfied. They said all the right things after the game, right? But they're going to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. And I know the Steelers sat a bunch of guys. I I, I don't care. The Browns have been dealing with a bunch of COVID issues coming into the game and it's just cool to see when a team hasn't gone to the playoffs for that long it's awesome to see the guys react now I wish their entire fan base would have been able to be there and it sucks that they can't that it's limited capacity for them but Baker Mayfield and that group they're going back to the playoffs and it's fun that's why I think that's why they're by winter of the weekend because it, it adds a fun storyline to the playoffs, especially now that they're getting Pittsburgh in the first round. Uh, how fun is that divisional rivals going at this weird year where you got an extra playoff team that they're going to go at it in the first round? I mean, I'm excited for that, Ted, and the Browns are going to the playoffs. I, the more I say it out loud, the weirder it sounds. Well, now let me see if I've got the timeline correct. This is this is Baker's third year. So in three years, they've gone from, I believe, one and 31 in the back-to-back seasons before Baker went there, right? They only won one game in two years to three years later being 11 and five and in the playoffs. And a ton of controversy between those three years as far as coaches in and out personnel I mean it's been a wild ride but they've got a they've got a really good roster seems like they've got a really good coach in Stefanski and I personally don't expect them to make a whole lot of waves in the playoffs but it's a it's a process man and they are well on their way 
won a couple of games. Baker's first year. Last year were 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 fairly close. Playoffs this year. I mean, they're right on schedule. They're doing the things they need to do, marching towards competing for an actual championship. The Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs. What, what else? What else do I need to say? What else do I need to say? All right, my loser of the weekend. It's got to be the Arizona Cardinals, right? Uh, I mean, you look, and, and I know Kyler was obviously hurt, and, and that was unfortunate. Them bringing in the, what was it, Straveller? How did you say that kid's name? But it was. Where do these quarterbacks come from? There's more quarterbacks playing on week I, 17 today that I've never even heard of. I loved that guy. The, the tats, like all the, the stuff they had from him uh, when he was playing in the CFL, like him wearing the big fur coat, like celebrating the Grey Cup victory. I was like, I can mess with this guy. Like, it was fun. It was awesome. But that's not who you want in the game when you're trying to make the playoffs. And you look at their back half of the season, right? Especially if you were to take away the Hale Murray, right? I mean, that it, it's, it is ugly for that team in Cliff Kingsbury. So even despite Straveller, what I don't even remember how to say his name, but even despite that sweet beard and those awesome tats, like the Rams, they didn't even have golf. He was out, right? The Rams were playing a backup guy. And this was just a really painful conclusion to a brutal back half of the season for the Arizona Cardinals. And Ted, I, I don't think this is an overreaction. I, I'm interested to see what happens with Cliff Kingsbury because he has had a few game management gaffes throughout the season. And, and a lot of people see, or a lot of people think that he kind of holds that team back maybe a little bit. That's, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from from people that really cover the league so i i don't know but man it, it it seemed promising at a couple points in time for the cardinals and it they just crashed and burned well here's the thing um people may accuse me of being a bit of a kingsbury uh apologist that's fine but i was just talking about the browns and kind of that trajectory right so kyler's first year they were five ten and one Second year, they were 8-8 eight and eight and playing in the final game of the season to make the playoffs. Right. And, and Kyler, Kyler couldn't go. So, in my opinion, they're right on the proper trajectory. Next year would be the year that they make the playoffs. Now, the other thing you got to do is the schedule they played uh, from week 9 through week 13, Miami, Buffalo, at Seattle – at New England, Rams, whenever they were all healthy. That is about as brutal of a five-week stretch a, as you could ever have. It's a brutal division, too. It is. So NFC West is, ooh. I, and I agree with, was on, on some of the stuff with Kingsbury, but, you know, you're, you're kind of working a coach and quarterback here together and bringing them on, you know, the, the same path, same trajectory you at least got to give him next year because next year is a playoff or, or bus type of season. And I honestly feel like they've, they've made the right moves. It hasn't been as easy for Arizona as it has been for Cleveland. Cleveland had 
tons of great draft picks stockpiled. Arizona hasn't had that. Uh, I think they've made some good picks with what they've had, but they didn't have all those number one picks like five years in a row like like Cleveland did. So I think they've done a pretty good job considering how tough that division is. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Wet the Beak. That's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dreams dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you are looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Okay, we're going to do something a little different, Teddy. We're going to dip a toe in college basketball. Just a toe. Just Football a little... guys talking basketball a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little FGTV. Now, we're, we got to figure out when we're bringing that back because obviously we're going to talk about OU basketball and the Thunder as football season winds down. But OU basketball, they got a big game this week. I mean, you look at we, – we haven't talked to any college hoops on here really, but big one for the Sooners and Lon Kruger on Wednesday. Be traveling to wake up now. Let's hope this game actually happens, right? Because Baylor, they, they've had some issues. Oh, you, uh, I mean, it, college basketball has been a little, little dicey, right? Luckily, they've got small rosters, and you, you think that the basketball situation will play itself out way quicker than football. When you've got, you're like talking about the layman theory. Are we the revisiting the layman theory? At some point, they're going to run out of people that can get it. So uh, that's just the hope, at least. Right. So Sooners traveled to Waco to take on the number two Baylor Bears. Yeah, Baylor's number two in the country in basketball. If you haven't been paying attention, they're legit now. There's technically not a line on this game. I couldn't find one yet because it it is a few days away, but I am assuming Baylor will be somewhere in the range of a 10-point-ish favorite. I would assume it will be double digits. New segment, football guys setting basketball lines. Yeah, this this is essentially the best segment <laughs> in the history of podcasting. Oh my god, I'm realizing it. how terrible this is as we are doing it. But you know what? We'll do it. So you look at Baylor's team uh, being led by strong guard play, right? As as everyone expected, uh, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, when they announced that they were coming back, that that's why everyone was so excited. I actually think that Davion Mitchell is kind of the guy that makes everything go for them in that backcourt by the way he defends and just how tough he is. But they're shooting the three at what can only be described as an unsustainable clip, <laughs> right? They're shooting 44% from three. It's It's been ridiculous, but they've been really impressive so far this year, starting 9-0. and And you look at what OU has done, some good, some bad coming off that big win over West Virginia. We'll see if Mo Gibson can hit eight threes in this one like he did in that one. That That's would a be long awfully, way. That would, be, uh, that would be awfully helpful. But 
everyone for OU is going to have to show up and play well in this one. I mean, Reeves, Manic, Harmon, like these guys are going to have to score points because Baylor, while they, they really do have toughness with Mitchell, uh, they've, they've got toughness in their front court, right? I, you're going to have to score a lot of points to beat them because especially if they keep shooting the three that way, I mean, it's just how it's going to be Ted. So I guess the only question is, can OU win? Can they keep it close? I I don't really know. No, they can't. I don't Uh, think so either. Here's the thing. My imaginary line of 10. I'll lay the 10. (laughs) All day. Here's the thing at home. Okay. um, Got a chance, but we traditionally, have struggled on the road shooting the three in particular Brady Manick uh, Reeves as well. That's, that's not the recipe to beat Baylor with the way they're shooting threes. We're probably going to be heaving them to try to answer. And for whatever reason, we just haven't been able to do it recently on the road. Very good. Maybe we have a night though. I mean, you know, as well as I do Manick with the way he shoots and Reeves, you catch them both on the right night, they can light it up and that's what it would take for them to really push Baylor down the stretch. I think Baylor may be the best team in college basketball. I know they're ranked number two, but um, they're going to be tough to stop this year. Uh, you know how – like the NCAA tournament's so exciting. Like we all love it, but – What's that? I, it, have we had one of those recently? I mean, gosh. Oh, gosh, there's no way that gets canceled again. Okay, we're no. getting way ahead of ourselves. No but, way. No but, way. I love the national championship game. I, I love the drama, but I'd be down for like a three-game series for the title between Gonzaga and Baylor. Like, yeah, I, I'd be cool with that happening. Like, I really would in this weird year. I know it's obviously not going to happen, but Baylor's fun to watch. And Scott Drew continues to just be an absolute goof. I mean, the guy is is such a goofball, but <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> I am not hopeful for OU Wednesday night. Um, I, I don't think that one's going to go particularly well, Ted. I don't either. Um, Baylor's a machine. I think they're going to win the Big 12 this year handily. You see, Kansas got their asses handed to them. Wow. Uh, yeah. What they lose by like 40 or something like that is crazy. So I think Baylor's best team in the Big 12 by far. And the Big 12. I think is a really tough conference this year, but everything that I say has to be taken uh, with a grain of salt. I know nothing about basketball. Just enjoy watching it. Yeah. That that's why people really, that if there's <laughs> one thing I know people download this podcast for our, for our opinions on hoops, because we, the, the interesting thing about it, we are kind of just like normal guys when it comes to talking about basketball. So I do think we're kind of relatable and, and we share some similar thoughts to other people that are watching. They're like, you know what? That's kind of what I think. And you know, that's, it works a little bit, or maybe it's awful. I, agree. I don't know. No, it works, Gabe, because everyone agrees that Scott Drew's a goof. And whenever we talk Kansas later, at some point, everyone will agree uh, how ridiculous it is that they continue to cheat and no one holds them accountable. So we'll get well, there on another podcast. They're they're cheating or uh, alleged cheating. Doesn't look <laughs> like it's going to help them much this year. Uh, they don't look like an elite team to me. Well, what do you know? Least. A year where they couldn't cheat, you know, and, and <laughs> look what happens. Amazing. 
Who would have thought? Okay. That's enough basketball talk for us. That's that's <laughs> enough. I I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize to all of you. Uh, one thing I do not apologize for is this keeping it local segment where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma because we've got an interview with our boy Creed Humphrey, and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, here's Creed Humphrey. It is our pleasure to be joined by the best center that has ever played at the University of Oklahoma. Just wrapped up a fantastic career has declared for the NFL draft. Creed Humphrey is in the house. Creed, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How about y'all? You know, I'd be doing Fantastic. a lot better if you uh, if you would have said you were going to stay another year. But you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Now, hey, does that count, Trent? Didn't you tell me Trent Williams played center for a game? Does that he count? He did in the Sun Bowl. Yes. I think it's still good though. I think that's still legit. Best center ever at OU. I don't know about that, but it was fun playing there for sure. (laughs) Now, we obviously want to talk to you about the future, you know, kind of what's next for you training and all that stuff. We'll get to that. But I did want to talk about this season a little bit first. And before we talk about any of the games or anything, you know, how it ended with y'all destroying Florida the way you did, how difficult was it, man? Because the protocols, you know, everything that was going on leading up to the season, and and you were the face of the team. I mean, you were the leader of the team. Did you feel like a lot of pressure? Was that was that difficult on you? Uh, and then you had the pressure of all the testing and all those things. It couldn't have been easy to play this football season. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a lot different, a lot more challenging this season. You know, in that in that regard, for sure. You know, uh, with all the protocols that we had, you know, all the rules that we had to follow things like that, uh, you know, it didn't make it easy to be a leader on the team, but it uh, made you grow up as a leader, I'll tell you that much, you know. You know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons this year, and I was, you know, extremely grateful for how the season went. So it was obviously up in the air for a long time whether or not you guys were even going to play. So word comes out, okay, we're going to play, we're going to get this thing going. And then, you know, obviously all the protocols and testing and can't be around friends and family. And then you open up with the loss to Kansas State and then you lose to Iowa State. Was there like a feeling in the locker room ever that like, screw this? Okay, well, apparently this isn't our year. Like, how hard was it to kind of keep that energy out? Because I got to, I mean, you got to feel like maybe that early in the season that there were some guys that were, you know, thinking about jumping ship, maybe. Yeah, you know, it was difficult. You know, being in Oklahoma, that doesn't usually ever happen. You know, we don't ever lose back-to-back games like that. You know, since I've been here, we've never done that. So, you know, obviously players, you know, handled that in a weird way. They handled it in a great way, though, just because we were able to stay on target, you know, with what our goals were. You know, we knew that the season wasn't over just because of those two games. 
and we knew that we were close, man. We knew that we had a really good, talented team. And if we just kept going to practice with the mindset of getting better every day, then things would start falling our way, which they did. So you you have the 0-2 start, right, in Big 12 play. And like you said, that does not happen very often when you're playing at Oklahoma. As as the leader of the team, what, what was kind of the message, man, to, to keep guys – from you know losing focus to, to keep guys do make them do the right thing so that you guys could keep playing games uh, like like we're talking about wasn't easy so you know, did you have to assume that role at that time because you know it, it was a rough start and then it, it seems like the leadership of the team really took over and you guys kind of got on that role and it it never let up yeah you know after the Iowa State game we all met as leaders, you know, on the team. We met that Sunday, called a team meeting with the players only. And just, you know, put it out in the air, you know, obviously these last two weeks didn't go the way we wanted. But, uh, you know, this team's really close to being a special team. And that, uh, you know, we took blaming on ourselves as leaders, you know, for those two games. You know, we feel like we uh, we weren't leading the right way at the beginning of the season. You know, we feel like we could have done a lot more as leaders. You know, you know, whether it's through practice, whether making sure guys are getting extra film work, things like that. So, you know, we put the blame on us and we made that clear to the room. And then we talked about what our goals were for the rest of the season. We talked about what we planned on doing as leaders. And we just, you know, asked the guys to really be all in and following us. And, you know, we're going to do the right things we can to turn this around. And uh, we ended up turning around. So, yeah, you made it back to that Big 12 championship, uh, got to avenge that loss against Iowa State. And, you know, I, I felt like going into that football game that that Iowa State team was the best team that you guys had played in the Big 12 championship game so far. Most complete, you know, uh, offensively, great running game. Quarterback was good. Defensively, obviously, they've been good there several, uh, several years, um, you know, defensively. Is that true? Do you, is Iowa State legit? I mean, or is this just kind of a flash year for them? No, man, they're a, they were a really great team. You know, I, I feel the same way. That was definitely, in my eyes, the best team we played in the Big 12 championship, you know. They had a ton of talent on the team, and they were really well coached. And, you know, they run that defense that they run, the three three five looks so well. You know, they do it so much better than most other people who run it in our conference, and they do it, you know, their own way. And it, it's, it's impressive how they do it. And then you obviously, you know, they had the – such good players on offense this year. I mean, they were a complete team. It was a fun game that we've got to play with them. Yeah, that was a really good win, right? Uh, six in a row. So you've got four rings, which not too shabby. Not too shabby. That's that's, uh, that's four for four. That'll work. Now the bowl game rolls around, right? And, and we're all excited for the matchup. We see what Florida's done in the SEC, right? And then a bunch of their guys bail on the game. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Was that frustrating for you guys? Because we all were hearing the same stuff, right? Uh, this They don't care. They're not going to have their players. The game doesn't matter. Uh, when you're preparing to play an important football game, like it's still the Cotton Bowl, that's got to be annoying as hell for y'all. Yeah, you know, uh, we were pretty frustrated when we found out all those players weren't playing. You know, we wanted to play them at full strength. They're a talented team. And we were excited for the opportunity to get to play a team like that. And then, you know, that rolls around. Uh, one thing that you have to do in the locker room when that happens, you know, you got to clear it up and make sure everybody knows that this game is still important. You know, it's still a New York Six Bowl. 
it's still the Cotton Bowl. So, I mean, that was something that us as leaders made sure that, you know, everybody knew that this game was so important still. And uh, we uh, practiced hard, you know, everybody was locked in the whole week. And uh, they did a good job, you know, practicing, getting ready for the game. Now, I played a million years ago. And at mm. that time, it would be unheard of for a player, unless maybe they were the number one overall pick or a, a guaranteed first round and they were playing in like just a nothing bowl. Maybe even then that would be unheard of. But now it's starting to be a thing where – and this year I think was kind of the opt-outs got going full throttle. Uh, because of the, the circumstances. Was was there a feeling in the locker room for a bunch of guys about whether or not to play in this thing? And it, it was more so this year than it's been in past years. And do you have a feeling that maybe this is going to continue to be a thing? Uh, you know, I can see it continuing to be a thing. You know, I don't know if it'll have such a big effect as it had this year, just because, you know, the circumstances that everybody was with, you know, it was such a challenging year and challenging seasons for, for so many players, you know, everybody's mentally drained. So, you know, I can see why so many people wanted to opt out throughout this, throughout the the country. But uh, there was, you know, a few probably people on the team that thought about it and, you know, they just decided that, you know, we, we went through all this stuff this season, you know, and, we wanted to close it out the right way, you know, and everybody wanted one more shot to go out and compete, you know, and play with this team, play with the people on this team. So uh, I think uh, give credit to the team, man. Uh, everybody was so invested in the season. You know, everybody was uh, so excited to play. And they came in, they did what we needed to do to play that game. So it was awesome. Now, as an offensive line, you guys kind of had an up and down year, right? It was – it, it was frustrating at times. Weren't finding the success in the run game that you guys are so used to. And it, it just seemed really, really close at times. And then you, you're hearing all those things, but then you go and do what you did to Florida. So with kind of the criticism that you guys had received this year at, at times when you couldn't run the ball as efficiently as you wanted to, how good was it to kind of go out on that note, just running it down Florida's face? Yeah, you know, it felt it felt great, man. You know, I felt we were improving throughout the year, and then, you know, the Baylor game happened. And, you know, it was, it was a weird situation because we were improving so much each game. And then, you know, that came around, that happened. You know, we started out good against Iowa State, and then we kind of hit, you know, a stalling point in that game. So, uh, as an offensive line, we were pretty frustrated with how we were playing those last two games. And, you know, we made it a point to really put on a show during this last game. You know, we wanted to go out there and demolish guys. So, uh, you know, all the guys worked worked their tails off throughout uh, bowl prep and everything. And, you know, we were just ready to go out to make a statement. You know, we had a lot, a lot of people down us saying, you know, that we aren't the offensive line that OU's accustomed to, things like that. And, you know, people uh, – we took it personally. You know, uh, we want to go out there and prove a point. So, uh, the guys did a great job through the Florida game. It was awesome. Well, you're going to the NFL, which first first of all, let me say congratulations, dude, because to be able to, you know, be in a position to have to make a, a choice whether to go or stay means you've played your ass off uh, for a, a bunch of snaps for several years. So congratulations on that. Um, how hard was it? I mean, because I, I know you had a decision last year, and this is a weird year where no one's missing a year of eligibility. <clears throat> um 
it was a grind of a season. It was super long. Was it was it difficult, or did you kind of know going into this year that you're putting your best effort out there and and you're making the jump to, after the season? Yeah, you know, uh, I didn't think about it too much until you know after the Big Twelve game. Then we, you know, I had meetings with Coach B and Coach Riley, and they were good meetings. Uh, it was it was a weird year, you know. It was a it was a tough decision just because I know how talented this team is going to be next year. And I think there's a serious run for a national championship within this next year. You know, they have so much talent coming back. But, you know, I felt at a point where, you know, I, I played a lot better than what I did last year. I did feel like that, you know, first of all. I had my degree. You know, I've played a ton of snaps here. You know, I got to experience a lot of stuff here. And I feel like it was just at that – it was in my point in time with my career, you know, I decided that it was time to make that jump. You know, I was – I'm excited about it, you know, for sure. It's been a dream of mine to play in the NFL for a long time, and uh, I'm ready to get to work. Yeah, you. I mean, you mentioned getting to work. Okay, what's what's the plan? Where are you training? I saw you you accepted the invite to the Senior Bowl, so that's obviously going to be huge for you. So, you know, take us through the next couple of weeks for you because it, it gets gets really busy really quickly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. uh I'm leaving tomorrow to go down to Dallas and train at a Michael uh, Michael Johnson performance. And uh, going down there, you know, I chose that place because Duke Mannyweather works out there. He's a great offensive line coach. You know, I feel like he can really elevate my game throughout, you know, these coming weeks. And then, you know, I got the senior bowl invite. And, you know, I thought for me that was a no-brainer to play. And, you know, it was another chance to go and show what I can do and another chance to go compete in front of, you know, coaches. So it was a – it was a no-brainer for me to play in that game. I'm really excited about that. It's such an honor to get an invite to that game. It's such a prestigious game. So, you know, it's everything's going to be coming fast. You know, everything's becoming quick. And uh, I'm excited for it, though. You know, I'm ready to get to work down there tomorrow. So I'm happy. Gabe, who were, were you going up? Was Aaron Donald there your year at the Senior Bowl? He sure was, Ted. <laughs> but... <laughs> but he was on the other team, so we didn't have uh, to practice against him. But I'll never forget... The guys from the North team were like, dude, this kid from Pittsburgh is killing everyone. I was like, oh, okay, okay. We went in to go watch the film of it, and I was like, oh, my God. He is killing people. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like, who But I wasn't who as, out there. I wasn't anywhere close to as good as Creed. So, But once again, Aaron Donald, he's starting to become you know, arguably one of the best defensive linemen ever to play the game. So I'm sure Creed will get associated with Aaron Donald here in, I, in, in short time. I'll tell you though, man, the senior bowl is, it's an interesting dynamic and I wasn't really prepared for it. And people had told me, but it's it forget the game, throw the game out. No one cares about the game. It's all about the one-on-ones, man. It's all about the, the practice and winning your one-on-one matchups. It's just it's it's a different world. Who anyone that you're looking forward to, not necessarily in the Senior Bowl, but maybe at the NFL, uh, to going up against testing yourself a little bit. You know, no one in particular. I'm just excited, you know, to get this opportunity. You know, go down to the Senior Bowl, play a bunch of really good defensive linemen. You know, and then to have a chance in the NFL to do that. You know, I'm really excited. There's no one in particular I'm looking forward to playing. I'm just you know excited for the chance. He's just looking forward to that paycheck, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Well, big guy. Hey, man, incredibly proud of you. It was kind of a bummer for me that this year was so weird and I couldn't be down there on the sideline more with you uh, because that was always one of my favorite things, you know, just 
shooting the shit with you and Swenson at points in time <laughs> in the game. It was, it just one of, was one of my favorite things over the last couple of years, but I'm just, I'm really proud of you, man. Happy for you and go do this thing, go do it. And you're, you're going to play a long, long time. I'm glad that you're healthy. I'm glad you're going to have these opportunities. I, I can't wait to watch it, man. For sure. Thank you so much. Hey, I got one more for you. Oh, so there, there's been a long, long line of uh, really good centers at OU. It's just, it's just turned over year after year. Who do you think takes the helm next year? Man, I'm not sure. You know, there's a, we have a bunch of talent, a bunch of young talent in that room. You know, I'm excited to see, you know, the competition in fall camp and see who gets it, man. There's a bunch of good players there and they're going to be ready to play. And uh, I don't think they're going to miss a beat next year. I'm excited to watch them. It'll be McIver or more or Murray. We'll see. One of those guys. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Good stuff, dude. Yeah. Good luck, man. Thank you. Always fun. Talking to I'm excited for him, man. Uh, I'm excited. And I'm too. I, I know some people are are curious to see, you know, did coming back pay off for him. I think the senior bowl's huge for him. I, I do uh, just like we we talked about how it's huge for Adrian Ely because if we're we, I, I'm not trying to say this to be you know disparaging to because uh, I think Big 12 football I think it's, it's some quality football but there's not a bunch of badass defensive linemen in the Big 12 there's not and maybe the the best matchup that NFL scouts wanted to see for Creed Humphrey this year was probably him going against Darius Stills that game didn't happen. Right. So I think I think he can he can play himself into the first round at the senior bowl. I truly believe that because he's got the strength, he's got the intelligence, he's put a lot of good stuff on tape, and I think he'll be able to display more of more of an NFL style skill set, right? In that game. Like if we're being real, Creed, you know, he back blocks. 20 times a game. Yeah. And you, you don't learn a ton if you're an NFL evaluator about him doing that with all the counter stuff they run. It's just, it's just true. So I, I'm, I'm nervous for him because, you know, I, I've, you know, we've had a lot of conversations over the years. Right. And I'm excited for him and all these things. I just, I just want him to do well. That's mm-hmm. it. He's an Oklahoma well, kid. I got a soft, you know, I got the soft spot for the sure. Oklahoma kids. Well, I'll tell you what I, I like about him, and I know that the scouts and evaluators will like because whenever these guys come through, it ends up paying off for them in the draft. And they're the, like, you don't see a whole lot of guards and centers in the first round, but when you do, almost always it's guys that have played guard and center. And he's got that going for him, a guy that can play multiple positions. He's got the size to really play any of the five spots. So he's a, he's a rare combination being a center that's that big, can move the way he does, as strong as he is. So I think he'll be fine. And I feel like he's kind of fallen off some of the mock draft stuff just as Oklahoma kind of fell off the, the, the board there throughout a big portion of the season after losing the two games early. So I think you're right. Once they see his size and, and skill set and strength in person against other top talent at the Senior Bowl, I think he'll do really well. Yeah. And on that note, episode 74, 
in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening, and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.